We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Got another super chat here, Ryan, from Chief Brody. Thank you, Chief, very much. Chief says, what does the offensive line have to do to come out firing this season? They have come out playing poorly early on in the last two years, and it has really hurt Notre Dame. Well, I think they came out playing poorly in 2021 because they just weren't coached well and they weren't super talented at certain spots. And they are very inexperienced. I mean, yes, true freshman playing left tackle. You replaced, what, four starters from the year before? I mean, you, you replaced a second-round draft pick at left tackle, a second-round pe- draft pick at left guard, a third-round draft pick at right tackle, and your right guard went undrafted, but he ended up starting in the NFL in Tommy Kramer. So you were overcoming a lot. And then if I remember correctly, Jarrett Patterson missed almost that entire offseason. Yep. For, right, because he broke his foot. Because weren't they, weren't, weren't they toying with moving him to offensive tackle, to, to left and tackle. Then, yeah. then he was hurt? And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So even if Jeff Quinn wasn't it was a good coach, they were going to struggle out of the gate that year. A lot like the 2014 offensive line did when they lost uh, Zach Martin and Chris Watt and some of the guys they lost from that 2013 offensive line. So last year's, uh, I, I think the situation was you were overcoming a team that was poorly prepared and you're playing against a bunch of future NFL players and it was a bad combination. You just don't want to be there. I think they'll come out better this year. Uh, I I think what do they need to do to come out firing this season? Number one is be coached properly. They are now it start. The foundation was laid last year with coach. He stand Joe Rudolph needs to build on the foundation. The coach he stand laid. Uh, I think experience at the right spots. They're going to have experience at center. Uh, you know, last year at center, they were breaking in a new center, new communication. You didn't have your captain in the opener against Ohio State either. Jarrett Patterson didn't play that game. So you were you were really like you didn't have your your voice. Your two tackles were true sophomores. Your center had, you know, hadn't started a game at center in two seasons, that kind of thing. So I, I think you had your right guard start learning a new position. So there's a lot to factored into the slow start last year. I don't expect it to be as slow this year, but I don't know many offensive lines, Ryan, that really come out of the gate and just destroy early on. The 2017 team was a bit of an anomaly. 
the the 2015 team was that way but like the 2020 offensive line didn't come out of the great out of the gate just smoking in 2020 either i didn't think they played great against duke in the opener like it yeah. just it takes time to get all those guys on the same page so you know you could see that but i expect this unit to play a lot better early for two reasons number one is because they are having the kitchen sink thrown at them right which is going to help prepare them for navy because here's the thing Say well, the Notre Dame defense has to make special time to prepare for the Navy offense because you just don't see it. The Notre Dame offense has been preparing for the Navy defense every single day in spring because they're facing a team that's just throwing blitzes at them from all over the place. That's exactly what Navy does, and so not directly, but indirectly, they're they're getting work against what Navy's going to throw at them every day. I think that'll help, and I think the fact that you've got a returning veteran center with leadership ability and two returning tackles. With a veteran quarterback, uh, I, if Sam Hartman starts, and if Sam Hartman doesn't start, you're going to have a mobile quarterback. I think that should be some. All those things will factor into them having a better start. So, I mean, you can point to reasons why their offensive line came out of the gate a little rough. And honestly, last three years, because I would throw Duke and the, the Duke game into that, because I think the the justification for that season is: to, Do you remember what happened that off season? Do you remember when Notre Dame had to take a week pause from fall camp because of a COVID outbreak on the team? Do you remember? Yeah, you're going to have a hard time getting everybody on the same page by game one. When, yeah. when at one point in time during the year, you didn't even think you are going to play football that year. So, I mean, you can make excuses for it. And there are understandable, justifiable ones. I hope this year is different. But I don't think they have to come out just looking like the Joe Moore Award winners in week one like they did in 2017 against Temple when they ran for like 400 <laughs> yards. And then in 2015 where they just annihilated Texas. I don't think you have to look like that the first two weeks. That's the whole reason why I like the way the schedule set up, Ryan, because I think you do have a couple games to kind of, okay, you can get away with a couple of those mistakes against Navy and Tennessee State, but by game three, you better get them rocking and rolling. I think, I think that'll yeah. help a little bit too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I think the two biggest things for me that give me a lot more positivity or a lot more assurance that you will see better starts is one you mentioned is that you have your three most important positions on the offensive line are returning. And I mean, they're all plus starters, right? And one of them is arguably the best left tackle in college football last season. Like that's what yep. you have returning, which is great. If I have to replace two positions on the offensive line, I would want it to be guards. So like you're in a good spot there, right? Guard or right think- tackle. Would you agree with that too? Guard or right exactly. tackle? Guard or right yes. tackle would be oh, the yes. two. 
Yes, yes. Sorry, I misunderstood what you were saying. Yes, yes, definitely. Guard, the both guards and then the all right tackle would be definitely be the top three. There's no doubt as far as the most replaceable or the ones you would most not you hate can, to it, replace. It, doesn't, me, it, 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 it makes the transition easier. Yes. Yeah, is what I, is exactly. Yeah. Losing a center or your left tackle can be very problematic, especially the center, especially no the center. And I think that also when you talk about the last two years – there have been players who have started in positions either that they didn't necessarily fit from a play style perspective or that there was maybe a lack of talent at certain positions. Like I'm not going to bag on Kane Madden for a second, right? But like Kane Madden was not an incredibly talented player that started in 2020. Gave Zeke his best, Car- gave his yes. all, just wasn't very good. Zeke Carell in 2021, he's not a guard and he had to play guard out of necessity that year. Like he's not a guard. Josh Lugg is also better in tight spaces. He started at right tackle during the 2021 season. He is better inside. This past year, like Josh Lugg is a good, solid offensive lineman in Notre Dame. But you talent-wise, you're going to upgrade that as far as just pure mm-hmm. God-given ability this year at guard. And you also had Jared Patterson, who was a first-year starter at guard after transitioning from center, his natural position for the last three years before. That, and he didn't right? play the opener. Because exactly. he missed a and he missed a chunk of this of the fall camp as well. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of factors in that. So, so you have the three, the two offensive tackles coming back, you have the center coming back, and you have two players inside a guard potentially starting that are both very ta- are going to be both very talented, whoever those end up being, right? Like those, I mean, Billy Stroud is Christophic very talented. Has like eight is talented. Well, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep. So it's a little bit different deal. exactly right we have one more super chat from k grant he says uh thanks guys for being the best in the business we appreciate that k grant very very much he also just signed up for the shamrock club yesterday so nice he's got a uh i'll be getting him a new mug here here very soon once i get his address from him so we we expanded the the list of people that are part of our booster club when k grant signed up yesterday so appreciate you very 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 much for that one let's get to um here's one from david lowe David, sa- David says, when do y'all realistically see Kenny playing if Tyler Buckner plays 2024 and CJ in 2025? Well, I mean, if that's what happens, Ryan, he he, he won't be the he starter. He won't play, <laughs> right. Uh, I right. mean, he, you know, I, I just think, look, I think you could make a case that CJ Carr right now is the best quarterback in the 24 class. Maybe he doesn't have the highest ceiling that may be Dylan Rayola, but right now, if I have to go win a high school football game, or a, or an all star game. I'm taking CJ Carr over over him. I'm taking him over the kid that's committed to Florida State. I'm taking him over Michael Van Buren, who I like a lot. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm taking him over Julian Sand for sure. I'm taking him, and I'm definitely taking him over Dylan Rayola because Dylan's more of a work in progress with with an elite arm strength. But I don't think it's a given that CJ is just going to come in and push Kenny Minchie aside. I mean, we could be in a situation that looks very similar to to Clemson it, the timing's a little different because Trevor didn't come until the next year but where there's like that one year if CJ's everything that we think he's going to be as a football player i think it's more likely that there's sort of a a a bridge year between Tyler to Kenny to CJ i could see something like that you want to know what the perfect world scenario is for me Brian this is my Pie in the sky, don't see it happening, but would be amazing. Yeah. Is if Tyler starts in 24 and has a phenomenal year, goes pro. Because remember, you're you're assuming, David, that Tyler doesn't come back in 25. Because Tyler has eligibility for 2025. 
So you're assuming Tyler isn't the starter both years. So let's say Tyler starts, he has a phenomenal year, he goes pro. Which honestly, if Tyler comes out in 2024 and he has a phenomenal year, he should go pro with his injury history. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because you say, well, he needs more experience. Okay, fine. But what if the next year he gets no more experience because he gets hurt again? You have to consider that. But let's say Tyler just has a monster year. Kenny steps in as a junior, redshirt sophomore. Kenny has a monster year. Peace out, goes pro. And then (laughs) CJ steps right in. You know what I mean? Like that to me is a dream scenario because then that works out for all the kids. That's just me being that guy that like it means that all the kids get their their chance to shine. Yeah. And then CJ CJ ends up being a two to three year starter at Notre Dame, and then Deuce Knight steps in and (laughs) starts after him. Like that's the okay. This would be phenomenal scenario for Notre Dame. That is the trajectory you want, man. Yeah, Everyone just keeps absolutely. going pro because they're so good and you just <laughs> keep reloaded. Yeah. Yep. Hey, it worked in Oklahoma. I mean, why can't it work here? All right. Here, here's uh, here's one. Yakov 22. I'm going to read this one. Well, actually, I'm going to let you read this one because I have a very good response for this one. So let, let's go ahead. The question is, should we be concerned that no 2024 mock drafts project Sam Hartman as even a seventh-round pick? The only concern here – is that, is that someone that you're reading 2024 mock drafts? <laughs> That's my only concern because I'm I know only know of two outlets that have even released that, and they, neither of them are are outlets you should be paying any attention to. And I don't even want to say their names. Ryan, you and I have had a we yes. saw one. We had some fun with a seven round and seven rounder recently. Remember that? Hey, at least they had, had Jack Kaiser in the first round. So yeah, Jack cool. Kaiser in the first round and and four Ohio State defensive linemen in the first round. That was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Oh, goodness gracious. From John John 88 thank you for the question. Do you think Notre Dame should use a two-quarterback scheme this year? How do you keep either quarterback off the field? But, John John, that's a tough question, man. Like, like here, here's, the, here's the argument, or here's not the argument. Here's the debate Notre Dame staff has to have with themselves. Number one is, do you want to put Tyler Buckner in a situation where he kind of turns back into that 2021 version where he's sort of a, a runner that can throw? which you run the risk of does that stunt his development if that's what he's preparing for. Because if you're going to have him do that on Saturday, he has to practice that Monday to Friday to a degree, Yeah. right? Yeah. Do you want to put him back in that that hole where may, maybe it may not stun his development? He may be just fine with it. And, and But that's what you have to determine. Can we do that without t- having him revert back to his previous ways? It, or do you say, hey, look, let, Sam's our guy. Tyler's going to get in there. The first chance we get Tyler in there, we're blowing somebody out. Sam's got the numbers. We're beating somebody 34 to seven going to the fourth quarter. Tyler's going to have the or late third quarter. We get the ball with three minutes left in the third quarter. We're putting Tyler and letting him run the first team offense for a drive and then let him run to backups. Or do you say this kid's just too good of a football player not to get on the field. He's too good with the football in his hands, not to, not to get him on the field. I mean, you, you have to have that debate. You have to. Where do they fall on that? I don't know, John, John. And, 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 I, I, and I won't say that I think they should do one or the other. I think there's merit to both of those arguments. It's just you better sit down with that young man and have a heart-to-heart with him and see where his head is on that as well. He may say, hey, you know, I, I just – I want to play, man. Like, I don't care what y'all do. I just – I want to play. If you, I, I'll be the holder. I'll be your fourth down sneak guy. whatever, get me on the field, use me. If I know Tyler Buckner at all, that's what he'll want to do. And then, and then if he, if if you're not going to use him that way, you need to explain to him really clearly why and how it's better for his future 
that you don't use them that way. So I don't think there's a wrong answer as long as you have a plan to make sure that during the week of practice, you're still having him run your offense normally. Right. And then just from that, here's the package we're going to have from that. Very specific, detailed practice. When we get in the red zone day, Tyler's getting a ton of work because he's our red zone quarterback. Or not even red zone, because if you're at the 18, Sam Hartman's still your quarterback. It's once you get into the green zone. I don't know if what you guys called that, Ryan. We always called it the green zone. The red zone was like yeah. the starts at the 20, but the green zone is inside the 10 because your offense at the 19 is going to look different than your offense at the 5. 100%. So that's why I, as a coach, as 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 analysts, we look at the red zone 20 in. It's just the red zone. But as a coach, you need a red zone package from like 11 to 19, and then you need a green zone package from 10 closer because, like I said, you can't run the same stuff. You can technically run four verts at the 19. You can yeah, absolutely. You, you can't run four verts at the nine <laughs> unless you're just taking a quick fade and you're just using the inside seams just to make sure the safety doesn't buzz out. That would be, I yeah. mean, so you technically, but you're not reading four verts. You're like, I'm throwing the fade to this guy. Yes. But yeah, you can read out four verts at the 19, at the 18 yard line. So it's not an easy answer for me, Ryan. And, and honestly, my answer today is I think you got to get Tyler Buckner on the field. But I think I was asked this question a couple weeks ago, and my answer was the opposite. I'm just back and forth every time. And when I see Tyler in person, I'm like, God, how do you not get that guy on the field somehow? Yeah. You know, when you watch him running around, I'm watching the South Carolina game yesterday. I'm like, how do you not use that? Like, how do you not use that running ability? You know, I, just... I, I think I, I think if if they do end up using them in whatever capacity it is, whether it is a true two quarterback system or whether it is Tyler Buckner in a role or vice versa. I think you just have to have an open conversation, though, man. Like, these guys need to be on the same page with this, right? Brian, I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago. Deshaun Kaiser was on it, and he was talking about going into his retro sophomore year. So I guess that was 2016, right, where he was in a quarterback battle with Malik Zaire. And he said the day before the first game of the season, day before, Brian Kelly comes up to them and is like, you're both playing tomorrow. And he's just like, what? Like we haven't talked right. about this all off season. Like right. you just blindsided them. Like that's right. not that's not how you handle the two quarterback system. The two quarterback system yep. can be successful if used properly. Correct. But in order for it to be used properly, guys need to buy into the what that role, right? right? So and like, they need time to prepare for that yes. role, mentally prepare. Here's yes. here's a statement I want to bring up because this is related to that. Kevin Harden said, "I had an old I heard an old coach say one time, if you've got two to play two quarterbacks, then you don't have a starter." If someone is good enough to start the game, they're good enough to finish it. And, I, and I've heard this. This is attributed to Lou Holtz. Yeah. But can we not forget the fact that Lou Holtz often used two quarterbacks? <laughs> Remember in 1993 when he'd bring in Paul Fela as the red zone guy to run that 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 stacked backfield thing You know that they would do? So the guy that we're talking about used a quarterback in a similar role during his tenure. So this mm-hmm. is not something where, again, it's it's – that that quote is more attributable to like the situation like Florida had when it was like it was who was the two quarterbacks they had it was like it was uh, Doug Johnson and somebody else and like neither of them were any good and it was like Rex Grossman and somebody else and you're like neither of these guys are ready for that job ne- neither of them have proved themselves to be the guy that's different what's because remember he would like rotate guys like in the series yeah that's not what we're talking about not not what we're advocating for that's when you don't have a starter. What yep. we're talking about is you have a weapon that has a skill set that's unique from your starter. 
that you are going to have as your game plan. When we get here, we're going to use that weapon. And, and so that's what we're referring to. We're not referring to a guy that that's going to necessarily come in as the, like, what I don't want to see is that necessarily that weird change of pace thing that they did in 2021, because I think it helped Tyler Buckner get on the field and make plays, but it hurt Jack Cohn because now Jack just randomly is on the bench for 20 minutes because, you know, depending how long your drive is with that quarterback. I mean, if Tyler's going to come in as a change of pace and he leads you on a nine play drive for a touchdown and then the other team goes on a six or seven minute, you know, six or seven play drive, guess what? You've literally been standing on the sideline for 20 plus minutes getting cold. That's not what we're talking. That's not what I want to see. I want to see, Hey, we're in the green zone. We're going with our green zone package. Tyler, get in there. You know, um, we've got some sort of short yard third and short package for Tyler that we want to use. And I don't even know if third and shorts necessarily what I would love to see. Cause that's more of like, you're at the midfield. I mean, you know, maybe we would have to see, but like some kind of green zone package, I could live with that. Um, you know, I, I could certainly live with that. I, so I, I just, to me, you have to use it correctly. And I don't think the nest, I don't necessarily love how they did it in 21. I just felt they would do things that would get Tyler going, but the way they did it hurt Jack. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt about it at that at the time. So we'll there, see. There was there was a lack of confidence in Jack a lot early in that season. It was rhythm. Because just yeah. he didn't have the rhythm and the, the the opportunities to me to get into an offense. I mean, yeah, hey, we we had a couple drives where we stalled and then Tyler goes in. Yeah. It's like, okay, well now now what do I do? Right. So it, it's interesting. Here's a comment from David Lowe that I wanted to respond to, right? David said, I can't fathom how people want Buckner to be the starter. Why would you not not want to see the one portal quarterback all-time ACC leader start for Notre Dame? I I guess I kind of don't understand. This is sort of that team Buckner, team Hartman thing that we've been telling people to avoid. Yeah. Here's where, David, I'm I'm giving you like a fair response to this. I'm I'm not taking a shot at you. What I'm saying is, I, I just don't want us to have this attitude of like, I don't want to see Buckner play. I don't want to see Buckner start. And, and that's some of the comments that David is making is I, I don't think that's fair or necessarily a good idea to, to have that mentality because here's the reality. If Tyler Buckner starts at Notre Dame this year, it means he significantly outplayed the number one portal quarterback and an all-time passing yards or to passing touchdowns leader in the ACC. Imagine how good you're going to be at quarterback if that happens. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's why I say to people, don't be team Buckner. Don't be team Hartman, be team Notre Dame being a championship team. Because at that point in time, if, if Tyler Buckner is playing his best and Sam Hartman beats him out, Sam Hartman is going to be phenomenal this year. If if Sam Hartman is just who he is and he is, he's a six year senior. He is who he is. And Tyler Buckner beats him out. Guess what? You're going to be pretty phenomenal quarterback this year. (laughs) Right. And that's, that's the excitement. And so that's honestly, David, I think that's where some people are coming from. And I also think that some, I think there's a, 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 a a contingent of Notre Dame fans that are still a little nervous about the receivers. And I think that's fair because we've seen them in practice and there's talented, but they, you know, there's not a lot of proven talent there. The most experienced guy coming back had the drops last year. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I get that. I understand. It might, it might be playing corner. So, right. And it's like, I <laughs> joked in the show I did with Tim last week. I said, look, 
I'm fired up about Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey, but these two cats have 14 career catches coming into the season. And Deion's got 13 of those 14 career catches, right? Like, yeah, I, I'm, I under, and so when you have that concern, you know, you got to replace Michael Mayer, tight end. I get the concern. You want the quarterback that's kind of got that. If crap breaks down, he can still go make a play. If the receivers don't step up, he can still go make a play. I, I get that. I don't necessarily buy into that because I'm a lot higher on the receivers. But if you're not high on the receivers, then I understand the thought of maybe having Tyler as your starter because he can do things with his legs. So uh, to me, whoever starts a quarterback, you're in a good position. Of course, I want to see Sam Hartman leading this offense. But you know what else? I had a lot of fun watching Tyler Buckner lead that offense against South Carolina as well. Yep. And if he's a better version of that, it's a pretty darn good quarterback. So I'm at the point now where it's like, I don't really care who starts. I expect Sam to start. I, I do. I have no doubt that barring injury, Sam Hartman is going to be the starting quarterback this year. And I can't wait to see what that offense is going to look like. I'm just not one of those people that's like, man, if Tyler starts, that's a bad thing. If Tyler beats out Sam Hartman, that's a that's great a thing. thing. Yep. And if Sam Hartman beats out Tyler Buckner, that's a great thing. They're going to be loaded at quarterback either way. That's where I think the mindset should be, not a, why would you want to see Tyler Buckner? Okay, here, I'll tell you why. Let me give you about 30 plays from the bowl game, and that's why. <laughs> now, you got to clean up the mistakes, but that's what happens when you play more and more and more and get experience. You know when to clean those things up. Because let's not let's not forget that Sam Hartman had a game last year where he threw multiple pick sixes as well. He did. Right? Go watch the Louisville game. Okay, so I just think get off Team Buckner, get off Team Hartman. I'm on team quarterback, man, because they're going to be good at quarterback, in my opinion, no matter what. Last year was a weird year with multiple pick sixes because didn't um, didn't um, uh, what's his name, the uh, JJ McCartney, didn't he? Didn't he throw against TCU sixes and TCU? Yeah, man, yeah. that's a lot of a lot of multiple pick six games last a lot year. Lot of pick sixes last year, man. A lot <laughs> of pick sixes. I mean, you know, Clemson mm-hmm. and Notre Dame had one against Clemson. Yeah, it was yeah. a weird year, man. It was a weird year. Middle, t- I mean, there were let's see, there were. Five teams last year in college football that had four pick sixes. Pitt, Iowa, TCU, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee. And then there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams that had three pick sixes last year. Wow. So, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting, man. Like you, you're seeing you're seeing that you go back several years, you're you're seeing more and more of that, uh, which is kind of like that's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting, you know. So I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. It's gonna be fun to watch this this quarter these quarterbacks play. That's the big thing for me. Is I, I, I just I, remember it was it was so ironic because I just remember everyone was tearing Buckner apart for throwing two pick sixes. I was like JJ McCarthy just threw two pick sixes like the couple right. days after that in yeah. a playoff game. You know, yeah. like. <laughs> and here here's kind of a, a question that we have here. This I just want to read this name from Beezer Twelve Washing Beard. Is that one of the names from that Ken Peel skit? Because it looks like that's the avatar sure. he has. I'm not sure. You ever seen that skit? Where, I've like, not. No, you got to watch I've it. I've seen Peel, but I haven't seen. They have a skit, skit where like it's a football team and they give them like all these crazy names, like one like mm. Crinkle McSomething, and it's just like it's freaking hilarious. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, their question is, do you guys think Tyler Buckner will stay if he doesn't get the job? I really hope so. Sitting yeah. another year under a guy like Sam Hartman would be great for him. I agree. I agree there. Uh, yeah. I but hope yes, he stays. I, I hope he stays. I, I mean, who knows at this point? Like, we have no idea. But it would be very beneficial for Tyler Buckner, I do believe, yeah. if it did happen. Because if Alabama's got a quarterback controversy or they don't – if if somebody at Alabama hasn't 
stepped up and won the quarterback job this offseason, that's going to be this. That's going to be the the concern Notre Dame fans are going to have the entire time is, you know, is, is Tyler going to say? Now the good news is we're going to know by the end of the month because I think yeah. the portal closes on what April thirtieth, something like that. Yeah. So we're going to know at the end of the month. We're, we're going to know if he's going to be back. And I really hope he stays. I do. I just think that's the best thing for him. I mean, he'll get his Notre Dame degree, and then he'll have a chance to be a two-year starter. Guess how many years C.J. Stroud was a starter? Two. Two. How many years was Joe Burrow a starter? Two. Two. I mean, we could do – how many years was Justin Fields a starter? Two. Two, Right? How many years was Bryce Young a starter? Two. Two. How many years was Anthony Richardson a starter? One. One. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So – that's plenty of time to go show yourself and make an impact in yep. my opinion for Tyler Buckner. So uh, I hope he stays. I really do. Uh, zone six as is Notre Dame at 85 scholarships or do they need to let players go and quite work like that. Uh, they're, they're at 86 right now. I believe Ryan, let me, let me just check the, um, let me check the board. I do have a, a scholarship chart attached to the, so if you're on the message board, uh, it's at the top the Notre Dame scholarship chart right now, they are at 86. So they've got, or 87, they have 43 offensive players, 40, uh, 41 defensive players. Let me just make sure I'm correct on that. Yeah. I took Caleb Smith off that list. So yes, they are at uh, 43 offensive players. They are at 41 defensive players and they are at three specialists. So they're down to 87. 87. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's, there's at least, one player that I know of that I'm pretty sure is going to transfer after the season. That'll get him down to 86. And, you know, there's a couple walk-ons that I know, Ryan, that they could they could kind of take off of walk-on status. There's going to be a couple other guys because they also want to go into the portal and get a guy. Yeah. And that's going to factor into this conversation a little bit as well. So they'll be under. Well, I'm not so worried have, about that. They have to let they have to release a couple players. They have to let a couple players. Yeah. Go. <laughs> no, no one's going to have their contract not extended. I don't think that's going to be an issue. But no, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. I'm just blushing your chops a little bit, zone six. But yeah. no, I mean, they're going to have some guys go. They will. And I know one right now. I just, I, I'm shocked if he doesn't transfer. And it's not a secret. Somebody broken. We broke news on our show last week, Ryan, that I didn't necessarily want broken, but it oh, wasn't really? for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tim, Tim Priester was. I don't know. Have you guys heard that we're, and I'm like, uh, yeah, we're not talking about it. So, um, gotcha. Uh, it's pretty funny. I know exactly uh, what it's about though. That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. but, uh, anyway, Tyler Erig here, let's move on. Ryan Tyler's got Ty- a question. Tyler says, I feel like them not naming a starter yet helped Notre Dame's case for Tyler Buckner staying because he's still in the race. So he won't transfer before this season. Well, yeah. I, I don't. Th- I, I, I don't. Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. I, I was going to say, like we talked about this before, Tyler. The way you phrase that, and it's not against you, right? Is that it's like, oh, if it's almost like a scheme by the coaching staff to be like, oh, let's not name it yet, so that Tyler can't transfer, yeah. right? And that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is that one guy has stepped up to the plate and is trying Mm -hmm. to outplay a really talented transfer quarterback that just came in. So there's a legitimate competition that's happening, and one guy is stepping up to the plate. 
I, I just don't like how it's phrased because it sounds like that there's a scheme. They know that's Sam's going to be the starter. They're lying to Tyler. Exactly. And, and yeah. I don't think Tyler means it that negatively. I don't think I'm sure. just saying, but like that's the, that's what ultimately what it would be. If you know he's not going to start, if you end the spring like, you know, hey, man, look, then you tell him. And if it means he might transfer, then he might, then he transfers. But you, you, to me, look, and I know that this isn't how it works in major college football, but you should always do right by young people, meaning yeah. you, you, you be honest with them. And you, you tell them, this is what we think you should do. And here's why we think you should do it. But here's where you're at. And if a kid leaves, a kid leaves. But that's part of life, right? I, I always believe you should be straight with kids. Now, that doesn't mean you necessarily have to tell them everything that you know. But you need to at least tell them enough to where they have the, the facts. They have the truth. Where they can't look back and say, you lied to me. Yeah, And that's what you don't want to be. And, and here's the other thing, too. I think we have evidence that they would handle it the way that you and I are talking about Ryan, because they did with Drew Pine. Notre Dame did not want Drew Pine to transfer. They did not, but they also knew that they had to be honest with him and tell him, look, Drew, Tyler's going to start the bowl game and we're going to bring in a transfer portal quarterback. Notre Dame did that before the portal opened, I believe. Didn't they? Like it was like two days before the portal opened. I think is when they told Drew that they could have waited till after the game. They could have waited till they got closer to the bowl game and told Drew that. Because if you all know Drew Pine at all, if they were 10, 11, 12 practices into the bowl game and then told Drew that, he's not leaving until after the game. He's not. That's just who Drew Pine is. There's no way Drew Pine walks out on his team in the middle of bowl prep. No way. Yeah, That's just not the kind of kid he is. And they did it when they knew that he might leave. And they didn't want him to. Do you think they wanted to go into that game with – with an injury away from Ron Paulus Jr. or Ron Paulus III being ready to step in as your number two quarterback? No way. But they also knew that it was the right thing to do by Drew. Yep. And I'll give the staff credit for that. And I'll give Marcus Freeman credit for that. That's the way you handle it, right? And it's that it's now Drew may not like the decision. He may resent you for it, but you, you have to be honest. And if you and I've always felt as a, as an adult, as a coach, as a husband, as a boss, as a coach, as in, if you're honest with people, they may not like it. They may not respect you. They may hate you the rest of their lives, but you're going to walk away feeling like you did the right thing and you're going to be able to sleep at night. Because, look, I, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but this is this is the right thing to do. This is what I have to do. And don't worry, Ryan, that's not a setup for any future conversations you and I are going to have later. I wasn't even thinking that, but now I am. <laughs> not put it in your head <laughs> well you're usually so paranoid whenever i want to you know whenever i want to have a conversation with you so i just want to make sure that you know you understand that me oh my goodness well that's a good thing you're you're through that ryan that's that's phenomenal so yeah. okay sure all right let's get to uh to john I'll, I'll bring this one up how are things looking with deuce knight who is the quarterback that their name is high on in 25 uh, Johnny, I mean, it was really great visit, obviously, pretty recently here, right? You know, this spring. It, this is one situation where when I talk to Deuce as well, Deuce actually wants to make a decision before senior season's over. Like he was saying, by the by the start of summer. So, like, this is a situation where things are going to start to really heat up here. I mean, we kind of put a little intel on the board that, like, it sounds like, you know, Notre Dame is obviously high on his list. Tennessee is another team that is, pre- that is pretty high on Deuce Knight's list, right? I think it's hard not to feel pretty solid, pretty good about where Notre Dame is with Deuce. And that's one that uh, 
a decision. It does seem that it's going to be in the somewhat near future there, right? So Notre Dame has zeroed in as Deuce is one of their top quarterbacks in the 2025 class, a kid that they really like a lot. Deuce is very was very interested going into that visit because he just – the only thing that Deuce Knight knew about Notre Dame before that, Brian, was that they're up north and that they really like him a lot. That was all he knew, right? And then he goes up, and it was a great visit for Deuce Knight. So I think that they're in a good spot with Deuce going into a pretty near decision, and you know, I think Notre Dame fans should feel pretty positively about that one at the moment. It's it's going to be a battle, though. Right? Yes. Tennessee wants him. Ole Miss is pushing. It's going to be and a I, battle. but yeah, And, and he's a Mississippi kid, so yeah. yeah, they're in that one. From Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, he said, do you think Georgia and Alabama are going after a lot of kids? They like Notre Dame because they know we are closing in on them, or are we simply identifying the right kids at each position? Go Irish. It's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. It's yeah. a little bit of both. Don't think for a second that Alabama and Georgia don't take kids just to make sure a rival doesn't get them. Don't even – don't kid <laughs> do yourself. It, all the, it happens. Do it all the time. Yeah, it happens. All the time. When you see an ascending team, hey, let's go try to flip this kid because a lot. I said this last year. The last thing that Southern teams want is Keon Keeley at Notre Dame. That's the last thing that they wanted to happen, and they made sure it didn't happen. I'm not saying they did anything illegal. I'm not making that argument. I'm just simply saying they were going to do everything possible not to let that happen. I just, I'm telling you, I've been saying this for years. The last thing that these people want down south is for kids from the south to go up to Notre Dame and thrive, yeah. academically, socially and on the football field, because then all of a sudden that opens up that pipeline, and they do not want that to happen. If Notre Dame starts pumping out first-round picks at corner and D-line, then all of a sudden more and more parents that right now would not want their kids to go to Notre Dame, because at the end of the day, yes, I want my son to get a great education, but his major is going to be football, and that's true for Notre Dame's best players too, y'all. I hate to break it to you, but Notre Dame kids, they care about their degree, and they put in the work, but most of these kids, they're still, they're still vocational desire is still football. 100%. And that's what I mean by that is it being their thing. They still put in the work for their academic major, but they want their career to be professional football player. And Once Notre Dame starts offering that at the same level, if they can, then they'll yeah. then they'll they'll be able to start going and getting some of those kids that right now. Man, we'll get because right now there's parents are saying, look, son, I, yeah, I, Notre Dame's got a great degree, but you want to be a you want to win a championship and be a first round draft pick, right? Well, if you're a defensive lineman, where's the best chance of that happening right now? Yeah. If you're a wide receiver, what's the best chance of that happening right now? It's in Columbus. It's not in, you know, it's in it's in Baton Rouge. It's not in, based on recent history, it's not in South Bend. Well, that right is now. some ne- that is negative recruiting that could happen. I mean, you could point to Jerry Tillery at like defensive tackle, but the last defensive end to go in the first round was who? Ronaldo right. Win, right in the nineties. Like that's. Yeah, I mean, the proof is in the pudding there. I mean, since Ronaldo went, Jerry Toe was the first defensive lineman, period. Yeah, since 1998. I mean, so it's not negative to me. I've always said it's not negative recruiting if it's true. Sure, that's fair. Like it, it is your attempt is to negatively recruit against him, but to me, it's it's not negatively. And I never believed in it, I never cared to talk about another school because if I can't convince you to come play for me based on what we're doing, then you probably shouldn't be here. I don't want to scare you into coming here because I'm going to tell you all these things about that, even if they're true. But some schools don't do that way, aren't that way, especially with Notre Dame. But again, if it's true, it's not really negative recruiting. Yeah. You know, and that's that's kind of, 
you know, where Notre Dame is. Negative recruiting to me is you don't want to go play for Harry He stand. He he yells at people too much. He he does this, he does that. That's negative recruiting because that's nonsense, right? Like, of course he yells. So does your offensive line coach who acts all sweet and kind. The thing I love about Harry Heastand is you know what you're getting yourself into. I've never had an offensive lineman say, man, hey, once I started playing for Coach Eastand, it was a different animal, man. I, he was he was always hitting me up. We were talking about this. We he's always asking me about my girlfriend, and we would we were playing game. You know, no Harry Heastand <laughs> is exactly who he is through the recruiting process that he was as a coach, and that's why kids kids that came like here could yeah. handle it because yeah. he didn't pretend he was something that he wasn't, right? So I mean, that's negative recruiting to me. But when you say, "Hey, look, you want to be a first round NFL draft pick," do you know what the odds are of being that at Notre Dame right now as a defensive lineman? They're not good. And here's the numbers. That's just being factual, right? Now, I don't, I wouldn't do that, but it's, I don't view that as negative recruiting. But once Notre Dame eliminates that and they're back to talking about the weather and girls, which is true or not, that's just always something that they focus on. Oh, the girls aren't as pretty at Notre Dame. Well, okay, whatever. I, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so lame. I, I, it's, it's ridiculous, so lame. right? Um, Especially if you you walk around. I mean, Notre Dame doesn't have as many pretty girls because they don't have as many females on campus. They don't have eight thousand students. students compared yeah. to four. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. But um, you know, I know plenty of Notre Dame graduates who met their wives at Notre Dame and and they married up, right? So I mean, but that doesn't mean they're not going to say it, sure. and it doesn't mean that some seventeen year old is not going to buy it. You know what I mean? Whatever. But when they get back to where that's the only thing you can say about Notre Dame, that's where you want to be. Because if a kid's that dumb to fall for that, you don't want that kid at your school anyway. And most kids don't fall for that. But when that's all you can use to sell against Notre Dame, it's cold up there. Okay. Hey, so are you going to tell the Packers if they want to draft you in the first round, you're going to play for them? You're going to tell the Bears that if they're going to draft you in the first round, you're not going to play for them because it's too cold? You know what I mean? So that's, but right now they don't even need to go there. So why would you go there? Don't you? I thought you wanted to win a championship, I thought you wanted to be a first round draft pick. My bad. I misunderstood. You know, <laughs> that's what you're using against him now. So, yeah. Anyway, let's move on here. From JHT, 1988. Brian, if Sam Hartman is QB1, do you see red zone efficiency improve from previous years, especially being able to throw in that area? Ooh, well, I mean, no, Notre Dame wasn't a terrible red zone team. The the in in past years, I mean, last year's team they ranked 19th in in touchdown. They were red bad zone red zone defense. Well, year, it, they they were they were an inconsistent field goal kicking team as well, and that hurt yeah. them at times. They were 37th the year before in red zone. Uh, I think that's when the offensive line struggled. So uh, they've been hit or miss. They were great on in, in the red zone under Chip Long. I mean, they were a really good red zone team under Chip Long. Um, do they need to get back to being better in the red zone? Yeah, I mean, they were eighth twice under Chip Long. Does it help? Yeah, it could help. I think the red zone efficiency ultimately comes from your ability to run the football. That's ultimately where I think red zone efficiency comes from. Can you run the football? Can you line up at the two-yard line and say, we're going to run four times because there's no way you can stop us on four plays from getting two yards? That's going to help a ton. But do I think Sam Hartman helps uh, being more effective throwing the football in the red zone? I think so, but if you look at Sam Hartman's numbers, he threw a lot of touchdowns that were longer than 20 yards. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think I think the things that are going to honestly have a bigger impact 
than because I because I think the thing is with Tyler Buckner as your starting quarterback with experience, I think you're going to be a really good red zone team no matter who your quarterback is because it's just going to be different. Where now it's like look at the look at the game against South Carolina. I mean, your only red zone stop was because your quarterback made a bad decision. But I mean, they, if if he doesn't make that throw, Notre Dame scores a touchdown there and it's over because you could not stop that team between the running backs, Tyler running, and then Tyler throwing you had no answers. I think the things that are going to affect the red zone. Number one, you have to have red zone is the one part of the field where you can't just rely on talent. You have to scheme it correctly because it's a condensed field. And the shorter the field is condensed, <clears throat> the better chance I have at stopping you. That that's, that's part of it. Right. The other part of it, Ryan is you, you need weapons that, that force teams to, to play for width. If you yeah. can't force teams to play for width, then it makes it even harder to be effective in the red zone. And then the final piece is, does your quarterback make good decisions and can you run the football? Those are the final two pieces. I think all those things have to go and be in the, be in play and, and not necessarily in order. It's more on building uh, th- those things kind of building on each other. But I, I think those things are more important per se than, than does Sam Hartman necessarily, you know, add some unique skill set that you lose with Tyler Buckner as the starter. I don't think so because I think Tyler Buckner is a very unique potential red zone weapon for yes. Notre Dame because of his ability to run the football. And that's why I've brought up the fact, Ryan, of of him possibly being a a red zone player for Notre yeah. Dame. And what's what's yeah. what's the biggest headache as a defensive defensive team in the red zone when you have to play a lot more man coverage? It's a quarterback that can run the yeah. football, man. That is a headache. So yep. I agree completely, man. He is a so I mean, yes to a degree, not as much. I think where the question is coming from, though, is in comparison to Tyler Buckner. I agree with you. It's the fact of like a quarterback that has been started as many football games as Sam Hartman making good decisions in tighter confines, in tighter spaces. Can that help? Yes. Also a guy that is willing to take some chances can help because there's going to be some tighter windows at times. And Wake's been a really good red zone offense in recent years. Really. I think they've been a top 20 each of the last two years in red zone touchdown rate, I believe, at least red zone period. Uh, Let me, let me look that up. I, I can't remember if it was red zone touchdowns or just red zone period where Wake was so good. Let, let me look at this real quick. Wake Forest. Which is, this which past, is kind of, which is kind of weird cuz they haven't been a great running team over the last couple yeah. of years. But yeah. See, red zone offense. This past year they were 38th in red zone touchdowns. And uh, let's see 2021 or am I thinking third down? They were 32nd the year before. I'm thinking maybe third down was I in 19th. Yeah, 19th and 32nd the two years prior. They were 72.1 in in 20. Uh, last year, and they were 67.2, which is just okay. The year before, then last year, their red zone offense was not was not great. They were 67, oh, 67.2 again. They just ranked lower. They were 38, 32nd, and 19th, which isn't bad, but isn't great either. Sure. So, uh, but they've been really good on third down. I, that's where they were top 20. Apologies for that one. I just looked that up. They were really good on third down the last two years. So. But what can't Wake do? Because you you even just said it when I when I said that I thought they were going red zone. Your initial response was that's surprising. It is not because of Sam Hartman or the receivers because you know they can't run the football. They never get a great offensive line and they haven't been able to run the football very well. It's like really right, yeah, yeah. 
See, I love that gut reaction. I could lie and say it was a setup, and I and I really knew the answer, but I just was trying to get a reaction out of you to prove a point. Yeah, let's go with that one. Let's go with that I, one. I was going to say That's that would that would have been a big anomaly that they would be yeah. good in that instance. Yeah. 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 All right, let's get to uh, let's get to another one from Beezer Twelve Washing Beard. Love it. Question is: Does a healthy Sam Hartman in a better wide receiver room really give Notre Dame a shot at winning it all in twenty twenty three, or are there still underlying issues that won't let us be contenders with the likes of Georgia and Alabama? It's one of those things where if Hartman is what we think he is, or even Buckner is what he think what we think he is, and the receiving core is as good as we think it's going to be. Yeah, I do think Notre Dame has a chance to compete for a championship. The, the the difference right now is not that Notre Dame lacks the ability to compete for a championship. It's that even com- compared to where they've been in the past, the margin for error is greater than yeah. it has been in the past. The depth is better. The speed is better and all that. However, compared to Georgia and Alabama, the, the, the window, the margin for error is still much smaller. So it's who are you comparing them to? Comparing them to the past Notre Dame teams, I think – this team, talent-wise, across just pure talent. We don't again. We don't know what kind of football team they're going to be. Deion Colsey still has a lot to prove. Tobias Merriweather still has a lot to prove. The running backs still have a lot to prove. Billy Shroud has a lot to prove. Al Golden has a lot to prove. Jared Parker has a lot to prove. Marcus Freeman has a lot to prove. Riley Mills has a lot to prove. Right. So we could go. We could go down this stretch for a long way. There's not the proven track records that those questions are going to be answered affirmatively. I'm just going on pure God-given football ability. This is one of the five or six best teams in college football next year. Now, I don't know if they're going to be a top five or six team, but I think on ability across the board, I think that's where they are. Now it's about, can you make this be a top, be a team in that? And if you're in the top five or six, you have a chance to compete for a championship, in my opinion. Now you've got a quarterback that has a chance to get you there and make the plays you need on that stage, in my opinion. We also don't know how good Sam Hartman could go out there and throw for 4,000 yards this year, and we're going to go into the playoff not having a clue how he's going to handle that spotlight because he's never sure. been on it. That's always true. So there's those question marks, Beezer, but I, I still look at it and say, talent-wise, Notre Dame is capable of, if you can catch a couple breaks and, ha- and win a couple matchups, that yes, they can compete with those teams. Because I don't think those teams are going to be as good as they've been in the past either. That's the other part of this. I don't I don't think Bama's as good as they were in the past. They're still really good. I don't think Georgia's going to be as good as they were the last two years. They're still going to be really good. I don't think Ohio State's going to be as good as they were last year. They're still really good, right? I mean, you can go on and on and on. And that's why I think this year is a year where you want to say, man, take your shot. Yeah. Because guess what Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, and Bama are not going to be doing in 2024, most likely breaking in new quarterbacks because they're all going to probably have their quarterbacks coming back. And I'd rather take this shot than wait for that. Say, well, you know, in 24 Ohio they won't have a Marvin Harrison and a Mecca. Yes, they will. They'll just have different names. (laughs) They'll have have Brandon Ennis and Cardinal Tate. (laughs) Same difference, different day. You know what I mean? Same thing, a different day. You know, that's, that's the reality of it, Ryan. So to me, this is your shot. Now, do they need some things to go right? Do they need to have better health than maybe some other teams at certain positions? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there are certain players they can't afford to lose where other teams could lose those guys and still be okay. That's a reality. But, yes, do I think this team is capable of, if they can kind of put it together, of competing for a championship? Sure. But they're a long way away from that right now. It's April 18th. There's a lot of questions got to be answered before we're going to have that conversation. But I do believe the foundation of O-line, quarterback, 
wide receiver, running back, and tight end gives this Notre Dame chance team a chance to be the best offense they've had in a long time, including 2015, because of all the different factors, strength program, all that defense is going to be better. Then the question is, is when they get in those big games, can your defense make enough stops to win those games? If your offense is as good as we hope it's going to be, can your defense make key stops? And the thing that last year's defense did not do, even as good as they were, and they were a good defense, so they just weren't a great defense. They weren't as good as they had been in previous years. But they were still a good top 25 to 30 defense, which is not bad. It's just not good enough. The thing that hurt them is against Ohio State, against USC, against Marshall, against Stanford, when the game was on the line or they were in a situation where the offense was sputtering and they needed to make a big stop, they couldn't do it. Yeah. And that's what this defense has to prove that they can do. That's a much easier sell than the offense going from what it was last year to what it needs to be. And I so I think that's still a question mark, right? Because I could tell you all about the talent. I still have no clue how Jared Parker's going to use it. This isn't a negative. It's just how can I possibly sit here in front of y'all and say that based on what I saw in two open practices, Jared Parker's going to be a phenomenal offensive coordinator this year. I'd, I'd be lying to you and I'd be a homer. Yeah, it, it's but it's not that I'm down on Jared Park. I it, I don't know. I have no it's clue what it's going to look like. He's never called a game the in his life the way he's going to call games this year, where he is the offensive coordinator. I'm optimistic based on what what I've learned about him, people I've talked to. I'm optimistic. Um, I just need to see it. So I'm not predicting that Notre Dame's going to compete for a championship. But as I look at this roster. This is the best chance Notre Dame has had since 15 from a talent standpoint to be a team that can go out there and play with anybody. Yep. That that's and this team is a lot deeper than that team was, in my opinion. So I mean that's wrong. I'll, I'll just I'll just use two games as an example from last year for me, Beezer, where because my answer is yes, I, I do think they have a chance. Ohio State's, I saw Notre Dame lead Ohio State for more minutes than Ohio State led them in that football game. And they outplayed Ohio State a large portion of that football game and then fell at the end of the third and into the fourth and weren't able to recover. And then I watched them win by three touchdowns against Clemson where they physically dominated them. And in those two football games combined, Brian, Notre Dame threw for 260 yards total in two football games against two of the better football teams in college football, won one and had a chance to win another if their offense was capable of doing it. So do I think a quarterback sets them to be in that conversation of being able to beat some of the best teams in college football and compete for a championship? Yeah, man, I do. Like even separating it from wide receivers for a second. Yes, the wide receivers need to step up. That's a reality. That's something that we'll be keep monitoring. But quarter, it just comes down to quarterback for me, man. There yeah. were so many times last year where I'm watching them like, if they had a really good quarterback, this team could do something, man. Like, this is yep. a chance. Again, you had a, you had a chance against Ohio State, and you faded. Threw for 180 yards in that football game. You dominated Clemson from start to finish. Physically dominated. You threw for 80 yards in that football yeah. game. You threw for about 260 yards in two and football what, games. And what, 20-something of it, Ryan, was late in the game when it was 28-7, to seven and they threw that ball to Michael Mayer for a touchdown. Yes, yes. It's just Well, even a Stanford game, Ryan, they threw for 151 yards that game, completed less than 50% of their passes against a Stanford team that was terrible. Yes. A terrible pass defense that season. You know, 
the Syracuse yeah, you, game. You ripped up. Like, yeah, you ripped up. <laughs> I mean, you and I were pulling our hair out at that game. Yes. Just like don't Dion was open on that play. Tobias, if he throws that ball sooner, Tobias is open for a touchdown on that play. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're talking about you're talking about a Stanford team last year, Ryan. They gave up you know over 200 yards a game passing last year, and that was only because they held Notre Dame so low and they held BYU so low, and because. Oregon only ran for or only passed for 164. Why did they only pass for 164? Because they ran for 351 and average <laughs> 9.5 a carry. I don't you know, it. so you're you're correct. That I mean, like you said, right? You made a great point. Notre Dame was a nine and four team last year and was in every game they played, with the exception of USC. They had chances to be in the game against USC, yeah. but they were always within. They always needed two scores. Yes, to take take that game back. I've always, I've just said, look, if they score at the end of the, at the beginning of the third quarter, when they were on that drive and drew pine fumbled, I think they win that game because I don't think USC would have handled that well, but we never saw it happen. It was still yeah. what? 21 seven. And then Something USC like that, goes yeah. down and scores and Notre Dame was always playing catch up. They, they weren't really in that game. In my opinion, USC outplayed them start to finish. Notre Dame had a lead against Ohio. Notre Dame led for longer against Ohio state than Ohio state led against Notre Dame, but Ohio state led when it mattered. Yes. You know, and they got thoroughly outplayed by Stanford. They were down 13 to nothing at one point in time in the second half to Stanford. And the reason why is they just couldn't throw the football. And Stanford just said, we're going to make you beat us throwing the football because we're not going to let you run on us because we can't stop anybody from running the football. So we're going to put eight, nine guys in a box. And Notre Dame could do nothing about it. Nothing about it. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big reason why I'm so excited about this team this year, Ryan, is just because I know the quarterback play is going to be so much better. As long as the rest of the parts don't take a step back, this team's got a chance to do something. It really yeah, does.